0: I'm John, and I'm an average alcoholic, and I'm happy to be dealt in for another hand today. I haven't been able to make this meeting lately. I used to make it regularly, but um, my teaching schedule changed. I teach online, so I'm usually teaching about this time. And uh, I took the day off, as it were. I'm happy to be here. It's good to see everybody. And um, I, just, I just learned about my friend Declan's passing which is very sad for me um he he and I had kind of become close online we we used to speak about once a week until just recently when he wasn't able to uh anymore because of his um health difficulties and he'd asked me not to talk about it uh in the meetings and which I honored of course he was one of our considered himself a member of our Freethinkers Living Sober group in in the Verde Valley. And and I'm in the middle of working on a memorial service for another friend who was just shy of 35 years sober when she passed this last month. Um, I I guess that's kind of what happens if you stay sober and grow old, (laughs) you know, this is what goes on as, as someone was saying, the old saying, how, how do you get 40 years? Well, you don't drink and you don't die. And uh, I never thought I'd make it past 35 years of age, less 41 years sobriety. I, you know, I'm a 60s kid, and uh, it was about live fast and die hard <laughs> or die young or something like that. Um, and I, I did my best to try and do that but I got worn out by the time I was in my late 20s actually um and I got sober at age 31 which in those days was a young person <laughs> and now I have daughters who got sober younger than that so I guess it's not a young person anymore uh, I was um I I spent some time. Uh, in a ministry going around preaching Jesus to people and um, and that sort of thing, uh, but drinking sort of took me out of that work. <laughs> for some reason, people frown on drunks, being, which is an, uh, interesting because are I know a lot of drunks who are priests and rabbis and ministers, so I'm not sure it's all that unusual. Um, But by the time I got to uh, about eight years in that work, I ended up leaving and uh, coming back to California and joining up with my family's business. And boy, I spent about three years really in the cups, as they say. Um, And uh, what I really wanted to do was die, frankly. Uh, And I don't mean that in a dramatic way, though it sounds dramatic, it probably was. Um, uh, but, uh, after several attempts, it was clear that God wasn't going to let me, um, and, uh, and, and that by the way, it's spelled G A W D. Uh, and, uh, so the last house on the road is AA, you know, um, I had a friend that used to come into our business and, and, uh, he, I knew he was sober. Everybody, every drunk in town knew who was going to AA and who wasn't in my little town. And he'd come in and he'd say, you know, if you ever want to go sit and have coffee, I'm available. That's about all he said. That was his 12-step call on me. But I knew what he meant. So I kind of knew where to go. Um, and uh, when I first came in, uh, I I didn't really worry about people knowing that I was going to AA or not going to AA, because just about everybody who knew me in town knew I was a drunk, <laughs> uh, it, it wasn't a secret. And uh, those early years actually were were uh, quite a struggle, actually, um, because I had this, well, I had this little anxiety problem. <laughs> you know, my, I couldn't keep my legs from moving fast and, uh, And I didn't smoke when I got sober, but in those days, uh, smoking was pretty ubiquitous. And so I started smoking after I had about six months sober, Um, more from self-defense than anything else, I think. But uh, the room sometimes you could barely see (laughs) from all of the smoke (laughs) was pretty bad. Uh, But my first several years, I, I was in and out of being suicidal um i had a sponsor who used to say you know you'd be killing the wrong person and you don't get to leave until you get your exit visa Uh, and i'm i hung in there basically is what i did and i'm not saying it was all bad i mean the one thing that was good in those days most of the people that were getting sober hung out together we went to coffee together and we went to movies together and Uh, Went to concerts together and all of that kind of stuff. And I I think that that's a real important part. Of course, with COVID, it makes it awfully difficult. But now we can go to a meeting just about 24-7 if we want to and hang out that way. So that's pretty cool. You know, we we get sober in whatever situation we're in. And uh, as my wife is fond of saying, you just have to make a decision and then stick to it. And that's pretty much what i did i mean i just i i wanted to stay sober i hadn't been able to stay sober on my own and even in the religious work i hadn't been able to stay sober uh, that way um and of course over the years i've grown to no longer even believe in uh god in the sense of a god that is uh out there somewhere you know and omnipotent and omniscient and uh kind of Superman and able to come in and make my football team win that kind of thing uh I've, I've kind of gone more toward I think that's why Declan and I got along pretty well um he and I shared real similar views uh, on things and and we used to talk about about once a week uh, and I really valued that that friendship I think that that's one of the most important things in sobriety for me is is the Friendships that I've developed over the years, and and the new friendships. You know, I I really enjoy listening to people who are newer. um I don't. I I try not to talk too often because they told me a long time ago that the hardest thing as you get sober longer is to keep it green, and for me, keeping it green is really important. You know, I like to keep growing and learning and changing, and uh, I. Uh, spent a lot of time as an actor i started out on stage when i was about 11 and um and over the years i did a lot of that kind of stuff um and this woman that died that i'm doing the memorial service for uh was a director and an actress and uh, that's what we used to call them actresses i guess they call them actors now um but uh she was a really wonderful wonderful director and a, a good actress, too. We, we did some stage uh, work together. Um, and, you know, I've known her husband for over 50 years. In fact, my wife and I were the ones that 12-stepped the two of them. Um, and uh, they've stayed sober all that time. It's pretty amazing. So uh, those kinds of relationships that develop over the years are, are really significant to me. Um, and, uh, I think that, that more than anything else, I used to be one of those people, the first, I don't know, five or 10 years of my sobriety, I was the guy who would say, well, the program is the steps. The fellowship is nice, but it's the program is the steps. And, and, uh, I don't mind telling you today, I think I was wrong. <laughs> that really the most important thing for me is the fellowship that, um, you know we kind of we kind of come into the rooms and knock the chips off of each other basically and i had a lot of chips to get knocked off i had a friend who used to say i left claw marks all over the rooms <laughs> and uh, i i recommend it you know the um the face to face meetings we have around here Everybody seems to want to be sort of homogeneous. you know, they want to all, they all agree and say the same things and talk about everything in the same way. That isn't how it was where I got sober. Um, I got sober in Southern California and uh, the meeting I used to go to, because I was an actor, I ended up going to to, uh, a lot of noon meetings and um, there would be a hundred and 20, 150 people in the meeting. This is a pretty significant size meeting. So you had to get up to a podium to talk. And what would happen is somebody would get up and share at the podium. And then the next person would get up and share at the podium and say, that's not how it is. Here's how it is. And there was no such thing as no crosstalk in those days. And uh, and I kind of enjoyed it. What was interesting is they disagree with one another, at least interesting to me. They disagree with one another, but then everybody'd go out to coffee together (laughs) and laugh and have a good time. Nowadays, boy, if you disagree with somebody in the United States anyway, they're the enemy. You wouldn't dare say anything to them. That is just sad to me, but I'm sounding like my grandparents now. (laughs) Here's how it used to be. Anyway, uh, I don't know what that has to do with anything, but... uh, I think one of the things that helped me, and I know that in secular AA, there seems to be a a rather vociferous minority that is anti-steps and anti-sponsors and anti-this and anti-that, but I have to tell you that I don't know that I would have made it without having the sponsors that I've had over the years. And I've changed sponsors several times, um, because I moved around a lot. Um, And... uh, the, the sponsors I had did not tell me what to do. They didn't say you have to do this and you better do that or you're going to get drunk. Mostly they just tried to help me sort through my thinking because I I'm not anti-thinking, but what I was doing wasn't, I wouldn't really call it thinking anymore. I'd probably just call it circular reasoning, <laughs> you know, just the same negative thought processes in my mind all the time and working through that stuff I think is one of the main things that helped me with working the steps it's not so much you know finding out uh, what all my resentments were and going and apologizing it was really about finding out what my thinking processes were and how I was seeing things and how I was behaving that uh, didn't go along with what I said I believed you know you, you can the old 60s saying, You tell me what you believe with your words, and I'll tell you what you believe by your behavior, um, that kind of thing. So, that really was helpful to me. As I said, I've had several sponsors over the years, and uh, none of them really were um, what you might call the monster variety. <laughs> At least I'd call them that because I don't want somebody telling me what to do. And, you know, I'm an adult. For crying out loud. And most of the guys I sponsor, I feel that way about they're they're adults. It's it's not up to me to tell them what to do. I just try and listen. What's fun is I get to listen to them talk, and eventually I hear them say something, and I'll I'll sort of rephrase it back to them. And they think I'm brilliant because how did you come up with that? (laughs) He just told me (laughs) this. So what can I tell you? Um that and um Working the steps also gave me an opportunity to kind of dig deep and and look at what do I believe. I was probably 10 years sober or so, 11 years sober, and I ended up in a treatment center for for depression, chronic depression. Um, And one of the things that happened for me is I had to, I found out I really did need to go back and look at my belief system around theology, around theological issues. And that's when I really, came to believe that I, I... came to not believe, is what I did, <laughs> um, and sort of went more on a Buddhist route. Um, and uh, it was probably... I was somewhere in my 20s, uh, 20 years sober, maybe 25, when I started actually telling people, I don't believe in God. That's not part of my belief system. And by that, I don't mean God like as some amorphous energy that floats through the universe. Um, I mean God in the traditional sense of what people, what that word generally has meant over the years, and that is some separate being that's in charge that'll tell you what to do and how to do it, and and damn you to hell if you don't. Uh, and I've, you know, I've had the experience of people rolling their eyes on me or leaving the room if I start talking, which, you know, how can you not like that? <laughs> You know, oh, I'm powerful. I leave every time I talk. <laughs> um, so I've had all those experiences, but frankly, uh, I'm more concerned about the person coming in than I am about the people who are hanging around wanting people to believe what they believe. Uh, I don't think the thing is about it what you believe. Um, in a sense, it, uh, it's about what I did that helped, you know? I I went to just a ton of meetings, and I was not really able to work the first couple of years of my sobriety. Uh, it was just meetings, 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 and we used to go on a lot of 12-step calls because there weren't a lot of treatment centers around in those days. We had like Schick Shadell and some of those old-style treatment centers, but not much. So we did a lot of 12-step calls, and that was really helpful. Um, and I've had a, I've had a great time. I ended up going back to school, uh, and going all the way through to the PhD level, which I do not recommend. (laughs) I wouldn't do it again. I'll tell you that. Um, and, or if I did, I would do it for history instead of computers and English, which is what I did. And all the way through, um, it's, you know, I have my struggles. And I still do to this day. You know, this idea that there's there's a there to get to. There is no there there, except for right here. Um, but life has gotten a lot easier inside, and for me, that's that's makes the ticket worth taking. You know, um, I always wanted to have uh, some peace and serenity inside. And, you know, I, I did my LSD trips to try and find it. I did my religion trips to try and find it. And sometimes once in a while that would occur. But today it's not about some sort of metaphysical uh, plane of existence where I can walk placidly amid the noise and haste with long flowing robes and untouched by anything like a real human emotion. Today it's, it's more about just being okay with myself and pretty much not, not so much with the world, I, I'm not really too okay with the world today. It's, seems crazier than even in the 60s and 70s. It's, uh, uh, but, but I'm not out to try and make everybody see it my way and do it my way. Um, and and that's, that's to me more important than almost anything. Um, I get an opportunity to. I, I'm still teaching part time online, and I enjoy that. I like to teach. I, I actually spent um, several years teaching at university level, and then I went into teaching uh, English as a second language, and I just really enjoy it. Um, that's what I'm doing today. It's uh, our normally would do at this time, actually, um, but I canceled the class so I could be here and so that I could. Have some time to work on this memorial service I'm working on. Um, anyway, so what I what I've learned over the years is pretty much all the basics, you know. um When I'm when I'm up late at night and I can't sleep, I get up and I go write or I go meditate. And for me, meditation has been really important. In fact, my first sponsor in the early days, had me um, go and learn meditation to the best of my ability because of the way that my mind worked. I mean, my mind was always chewing me up and uh, and all this negative raka raka that was going on in my mind. And, and so he had me learn some meditation techniques. In those days, it was more like creative visualization is what I would call it now. But I've also then spent a lot of time learning from people who have have learned more formal techniques for meditation, and that's been very helpful to me. Um, and at this point, my meditation consists primarily of just sitting and breathing and paying attention, uh, which is sounds a lot simpler than, <laughs> than it is. It's actually very simple, it's just difficult. Um, and that that is very helpful to me so i i don't really have um anything more to add i don't think um you know the old sayings is just take it one day at a time and that's what i try and do uh, i think i mentioned it's fourteen thousand nine hundred and seventy-five days as my friend jeb likes to point out the number of days and um yeah thanks mark for asking me to do this. And thanks everybody for being here and paying attention to the extent that you will have. <laughs> and if you haven't, that's okay too. Um, and that's about it. I want to hear from everybody else. Thanks for sharing my birthday with me.